The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, The Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey, host of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. And I'm very excited to be with you here with you today. Our topic is women in leadership and shattering the glass ceiling. There's been a lot in the news lately about women's salaries not up to par still. After 35 years that the Wall Street Journal first highlighted the glass ceiling for women. And some people said, it's not just a glass ceiling, it's a sticky floor. Lots has been, lots has been done to advance women. We've got a lot of prominent names out there. Uh, Mary Barra of uh, General Motors, for one. Uh, Susan Wycheski of uh, YouTube, CEO, another. And you do see more women in the boardroom, but it's slow and painfully slow. There was a recent article on pay inequity still around women, that women are still making substantially less money for men than men. And I really think that a lot of that issue is not so much that women are not getting into big jobs. They are, but the paths that they are in are not the highest paying roles. They're still in roles like um, senior human resource leaders or marketing leaders, and they're not in roles that are direct to the real power positions in an organization. So, again... Things have progressed, but why so slow after 35 years of highlighting this issue? So there are cracks in the ceiling. There's certainly people that have cracked it, but it's definitely not shattered. A recent Harvard study, a longitudinal study, went through and looked at women and that were graduates of their organization and showed that women, again, did not make the same strides. Stanford University looked at women who started to get into STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. And surprisingly enough, the women didn't do nearly as well as the men in terms of startups, uh, making mega Silicon Valley bucks. So this is going to be the first in a series we're going to be talking about and exploring why is this still such 
an elusive thing for women? And why are women really, in many ways, turning away from some of the traditional jobs that are out there? There are many, many women that have started their own small companies and are being very successful. But the corporate America mantra or the corporate America value has still not come as strong to women as it has to men. Now, it's clear that there's still some cultural elements around that. A recent article by Sheryl Sandberg and Adam Bryant was really telling. And when I read the article in the Sunday New York Times, I said, boy, that sure happened to me. I've been in many, many meetings where I might say something and it gets completely ignored. But a man sitting right next to me says the same thing, and lo and behold, people pay attention to it. It's striking, and I never realized it when I was thinking about this myself and how cultural attitudes and views and, frankly, some existing bias that people don't even realize that they have toward women and others who are diverse or different from them gets in the way of really having an inclusive situation at work. So I have with me today, and I'm very excited to have Sally Helgeson. Sally and I have known each other for a very long time. And Sally is a leading expert on women in leadership. In fact, she's written numerous books. Um, I'll cite three here that are really seminal in the area of women in leadership. Um, First, The Female Advantage, The Web of Inclusion, and Female Vision, all fabulous reads, and if you haven't seen them, I highly recommend that you log on and get an e-book or order it from, from Amazon. Sally talks all over the world around women's issues, and she's helped numerous people through coaching and other ways in really advancing the cause of women in the workplace. So I am thrilled to have with me today Sally Helgeson. Thanks so much for joining me, Sally. It's a great pleasure, Linda. Good to be here. Yeah, that's terrific. You know, let's just jump right in. I, you and I were just talking the other day, and, you know, you've seen this spike in, in interest and things that people are looking at relative to women in the workplace. Um, what are you seeing, and, and why do you think this is becoming such a focal point again now? Well, I think that it's always been, to some degree, a focal point among women uh, in organizations. I think they've always had a, a great concern about uh, career development, about opportunities, uh, about some of the challenges they face. I've been working with organizations, as you said, all over the world for 25 years, mostly doing women's leadership development programs, and I've seen the interest uh, be pretty consistent. I think one of the things that's changed was the the earthquake in this field uh, caused to some degree by Sheryl Sandberg's book. It got so much attention. Uh, she was able to bring so much visibility to the issue that I think the media got on it, and now it's to some degree here to stay because every time something comes out um, that seems to play into this issue 
um, we get stories on it. I was amused to see just the other day that the Sony hack, uh, the North Koreans hacking into Sony, um, uh, enabled Charlize Theron to discover that she was actually making $10 million less than her not very well-known or not as well-known uh, male co-star. And she was able to renegotiate her salary on her latest movie. Um, so that kind of thing, you know, really got the attention of the press. And I think that before Cheryl's book, um, there was a perception in the media often that it was a, a subject whose, uh, whose time had passed. And I don't think that was ever really true uh, for women or for organizations. But uh, I think now it's getting a lot of attention. You know, it's never really passed, and you and I both know because we work with many uh, C-suite groups, and we see that there still are not women at the very senior levels. There There are more than there were 20 years ago, and there are more women in the boardroom, but they're still not there. So why do you think, why, why do you think that's happening still? Well, uh, first of all, I, I think the other, the other factor that's driving this is organizations are really getting, to my, in my perspective, much more serious, much more broadly about uh, the women's issue because they're seeing it as a general talent issue and they've been trying for 10 or 15 years uh, working on this and what they've discovered is the pipeline isn't really enough. So I think that what we're seeing, we're sort of at an inflection point here where organizations are getting much more serious about this than has been in the past. But in terms of the reasons for it, the, I think that the reasons for it, what we've seen is we've, we've dealt with a lot of some of the surface kind of reasons. You know, we've had lots and lots and lots of talks about work-life balance, et cetera. But what we haven't done is to really look at what some of the bigger cultural and structural issues are that are barriers, often in different ways um, for women. In financial services, for example, um, there is a tendency I've found in my own work from having interviewed hundreds of women who have left um, very well-paying, very high-profile jobs in the financial services sector. There's a tendency to feel, to get to a point where you've had a certain amount of success. You're looking at your life. You're looking at the quality of your life. You're saying to yourself, is 80, 85 hours a week, and this is true often in that sector, really what I want to be doing with my life? Um, One of the things that my co-author Julie Johnson and I found when we were researching the female vision was that women tend to have a, a more balanced assessment of what makes their life successful. They want a lot of, they want to do well in a lot of different areas, whereas men are more likely to judge their own success solely by their position and by their salary. So when a woman is feeling as if her salary and position is satisfactory, but the quality of her life, her relationships, at work as well as, you know, her personal relationships, is really suffering, she is perhaps more likely to think, okay, is this really worth it? Maybe I'll look at doing different kinds of work. Harvard did a study, and they found that women MBAs, uh, after 15 years, uh, Harvard women MBAs, 
uh, one-third of them had actually gone into nonprofit work, and there was no remote parallel with men. And part of that was the women felt that they wanted their work to be really worthwhile. Um, so I think that women have broader factors that they, they want to feel that their life is intrinsically going someplace. Um, and a lot of mainstream work uh, places haven't caught up to that, um, to being able to, to supply that sense of, of, of meaning and ultimate balance. But guess what? With a young yeah. generation, and- men want it too. Men want it too. That's exactly right. And we're going to be coming up on break shortly, Sally. But, you know, I see that changing a lot too, is that men, there are more now, interestingly enough, uh, men who are staying home with their children because the woman has the uh, better role. And or has the greater desire to pursue a career. So there are signs of, of, of change here, which, which is pretty good. Um, quickly, what do you take of the, um, the, the whole Silicon Valley? You know, we used to try to recruit women out there in engineering all the time. And yeah. they seem to have come to a, 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 a spot. So quickly before we go on break, any pithy thoughts on that? Very quickly, I think the effort needs to start early. I've worked with, for example, a, uh, Chevron, which has a, a really comprehensive effort to develop uh, female engineers, starting with programs for girls as young as eight. And I think that, um, that more attention needs to be paid to how girls are taught science and math they don't always respond to the exact same stimuli that boys do. Uh, they're less oriented, uh, for example, toward gaming. Um, and uh, and that, 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 exa- that that needs to start to some degree earlier. And a lot of innovative companies are really starting to recognize that. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. You know, some of the structural things that we put in place early on in companies, you know, quotas and all of that, yes. just really didn't seem to uh, move the needle much. Um, is that your, you're seeing that as well? Uh, I don't think they move the needle in a long-term sustainable way. They can move it short-term. There are different cultures than ours where they seem to be quite successful. That's true in Scandinavia where people have a very social orientation. Uh, America is much more individualistic. Um, and I, I think that over the long run, those kinds of policies uh, don't turn out to be as effective as more robust capacity building. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And, you know, as you think about it, as we're getting more global, um, you know, this is not just a U.S. women's issue. This is a global corporate issue. It, it is what? definitely a global corporate issue, and that's why I say it's, it's often cultural. You know, in the next segment, we can look at a couple examples of how that plays out. I know from experience that the cultural and structural uh, issues that get in the way of women's progress can be very different in different kinds of cultures. So they need to be, they do need to be addressed, and I think that they'll have the ultimate impact of making uh, organizations more flexible, more global in their outlet, uh, in their outlook, and, and much more fluid uh, in terms of their employee engagement. Well, I, I think that that's 
That's absolutely true. And I, I think some of your research, which we're going to talk about uh, next, has shown um, that women really have the traits that are going to be needed in this next century as we become yeah. more global. So yeah. let's take a quick break and uh, Sally, we'll talk a little more. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey. And the focus of our show today is really women have cracked the glass ceiling, but it's definitely not shattered. Mm-hmm. I'm talking with Sally Helgeson. She's a leading expert on women and leadership. And we're exploring why this situation has not made more progress than we've seen in the past. And uh, not, not that we've seen in the past, actually, but, but, but why it's taken so long to make such a substantial strides uh, for for women, so Sally, we were talking about culture and some of the cultural barriers that 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 you see. And can you talk a little bit about that? What what do you see the, about the subtleties? And that's why they call it a glass ceiling because it's transparent, and you can't always see um, 
what's going on and know how to address it. So what are some of those subtle cultural issues that are keeping women from getting ahead? I think that what you mentioned earlier when you talked about that uh, piece that Cheryl and Adam uh, had written, it it appeared in the New York Times about women uh, getting pushback when they speak at meetings is an example of something that's very profound and cultural. Um, I've watched that. I've had it happen. Uh, I've heard women talk about that. I'm not kidding. For 25 years that they notice that they'll try to say something at a meeting and either um, it'll get echoed by a, a man and the other men will start to affirm it then or they feel that they'll get cut off. It happened to me recently. It happened to me about uh, six months ago where I got cut off in about uh, a minute and a half uh, by a fellow in the room who um, had, had an objection. And uh, it happens frequently. And what was interesting in, that re- in what they were writing about is, is they, they demonstrated how long that actually takes how long a woman gets to speak before somebody, you know, says, well, I think you're a little bit off base on this point or, uh, you know, interrupts in that kind of way. And I think that that, I think that we, number one, it's not that difficult an issue to rectify because men who are involved are often extremely unconscious that they're doing something like that. And I've seen um, cases where a woman has said to a guy, you know, would you coming into this meeting, watch and see if that happens, and uh, he'll notice it happens. And, you know, from her perspective, it may have been happening frequently, um, but he'll say, wow, just what you said happened. That's amazing. And after that, he'll always notice that sort of thing. So I, I think that, that it's not, you know, often deeply rooted in some kind of disrespect for women. It's often a kind of unconscious autopilot behavior that can be corrected, um, you know, with a fairly minor intervention. That said, it's the kind of thing that when that happens over and over, year after year, makes a woman feel as if her contribution is undervalued. And when I talk to women who have left successful careers um, to do something else, it's not like they're leaving them and going home um, you know, to, to hang out at home, uh, they're, they're leaving them to do something else, to start their own business, to go in with a partnership with a friend, to work in a completely different venue, maybe a nonprofit. It's often because they feel that the contribution that they wanted to make was undervalued. And it was those small pushbacks, those uh, that, that really got to them in a core. So to me, those are, those are cultural those are cultural. They're deeply rooted in culture. You know, men aren't used to interrupting one another. They, you know, there's a, you know, they might get hit on the schoolyard if they do that. Um, whereas it, it's, it's a behavior that, that they're often less conscious of with women. So, yeah. so I think, you know, it's and, so, yeah. It's so interesting what you say about though a small intervention, like yeah. just bringing it to someone's attention. Uh, and you know why? Why had we not brought it to someone's attention sooner? That's sort of interesting that we would sit there and uh, and uh, allow ourselves to be sort of short shrifted like that and and not say anything about it. Because you're right. Once somebody realizes it, it's in their consciousness, right. and they pay attention to it. 
Exactly. And I think what I've seen and what I encourage the women I work with to not do is they'll walk out of a meeting, they'll grab another woman, they'll complain about it, the two of them will get in a you know, really negative frame of mind about it, so they'll, they'll be venting, but they won't find a way to address it because they'll feel that addressing it is going to be very aggressive. There are many ways you can address it with humor or starting from a place of inclusion, as, as, as I as I said before, you know, inviting a guy going into a meeting to say, notice if this happens, just, just notice it. That's a very inclusive action. It's not accusatory. It's not reading something into it. So I think women have, um, you know, have a, a, a role to play here in helping to um, get involved and, and stop some of those behaviors. I think that's so true. And you know, when you think about it, when I think about the progress that I made in my own career, often men were behind it. You know, men helped pull me, uh, pull me up to other, other roles. So it's not that they're adverse to it. As you say, it's not in their consciousness. They're not exactly. even aware that they're doing it. Yeah. So what do you tell me a little bit? I, I know in my, uh, in all the executive coaching that I've done and that you've done, I always hear, well, she doesn't have executive presence. <laughs> and every time I hear that, I want to scream. Because, uh, you know, what does executive presence mean? White shirt, blue tie, suit? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Tell, say a little bit more about that because I know you've experienced that too. Oh, definitely. I've heard that. Often it's just when you don't know what else to say about a woman, um, you know, a, a, someone who's a male executive who may not have seen a woman in a certain role and is instinctively uncomfortable, that's what he'll say. But I also think, you know, executive presence is really an interesting thing to think about. I've been, for 25 years, people have asked me, what do women need to do to have a stronger leadership presence? Do they, you know, need, is it their voice? Do they need to walk more confidently, handshake? Should they not carry a purse? I mean, these are all, you know, fairly cosmetic uh, issues. But what I've seen, what I've witnessed working with leaders around the world for 25 years is that people who have the strongest Leadership presence are the people who are the most present for the moment, for the person in front of them. They're the, uh, the best lesson I ever had about leadership presence uh, was when I was a speechwriter, and I used to go with senior executives to big conferences, and you could always tell the senior executive, the most senior person in the room, always a guy at that period, because he wasn't carrying stuff. He wasn't fussing. He wasn't worried about the slides. He wasn't worried about the fact that it was raining and he had to carry a coat or the car wasn't coming. And the fact that he had other people to take care of that meant that he could be fully present for what he was doing. Most of us don't go into room with someone else to take care of that. But if we can adopt that mindset that I am doing, I am fully present for what I'm doing rather than worrying about the details, we will have a much stronger, clearer leadership presence. And people can read it across cultures. Your dog can read it. Your horse can read it. So other people can read it. <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, do you think that there's some cultural bias in there, too, around, uh, you know, what, what we may think or somebody may think uh, in one country is executive presence versus what others may see as executive presence and, and not being able to flex to that when you're in other parts of the world? Oh, I think it can be very difficult in other parts of the world. I mean, in Japan, which is 
woefully behind the curve, woefully behind the curve. Um, you know, there's a way, I don't remember what it's called, but there's a way that women talk that's considered polite. And it is, it's a very, it's very much a way of talking that puts you in a subservient position. And if you don't use that language and use that tone of voice, you're considered a rude girl. And um, that's very, very challenging uh, for women. So I think that this can be uh, extremely difficult in different parts of the world um, and that people often have distinctive cultural biases around executive presence to overcome. But again, again, by focusing not on the details, um, but upon what, upon being present, you can re- it really translates. A lot of these cultural programs for pe- executives going abroad focus on details. You know, don't show, a, you know, don't put your foot up if there's a, you know, someone who's Islamic in the room because it, it's a sign of disrespect. All of that is very helpful to know. But really, someone can tell if you're present, if you're listening, if you're focused on them and the issue. So I think that's where we should be putting our effort. Uh, yeah, and we're coming up just about to one minute to uh, our next break. But, you know, it, it often makes me think about uh, the story of, um, uh, you know, when everybody's going to be in this huge war for talent, which we are. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can't transcend some of those cultural biases and be able to be open to how people may do things differently, you're going to lose out on a lot of opportunity to hire really great people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, it, the, the gender differential is also part of this opening globally. And I think if women can think of it in those terms, we can recognize that it's a great opportunity for us. Yeah, a lot of times um, companies, and I've seen it, and those companies will go unnamed, have a hard time uh, in their own minds sending women on global assignments. And um, it doesn't seem like it's that difficult to me, but 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 they will really struggle with whether they're going to uh, send a whole family and right. and all of that uh, kind of thing. And it seems odd, doesn't it? Well, certainly around sending whole families can be issues, but again, that's becoming more of an issue for dual career couples. So I see big, for yep. example, big oil companies struggling with that with men and women. So I think that's good because it kind of takes the onus off women. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're we're here at another break, so stay with us. We're going to be back and now talking about in the the the, the next segment with Sally. What are some of the things that we as women leaders can do to make sure that we continue to build our career and we have the kind of career that we we need and we we deserve? Good. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. 
visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time for our special series on the future of business. Learn how you can become the transformational leader who takes your company across the finish line as you look ahead to the next breakthrough wave of innovation. The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to iLead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag #ILeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now back to iLead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm the host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and our topic of conversation today is really the glass ceiling. It's only shattered. It's not. It's only cracked and not shattered. And I have with me Sally Helgeson, a leading expert on women in leadership roles, and she's been studying and writing and speaking. Uh, and consulting in this field for a very long time and has a great perspective. And Sally and I were just talking about how, uh, you know, some companies think about expat assignments as being very difficult for women and not so difficult for men. And the interesting thing is all the years I've been putting people into expat assignments in big companies, men at a certain inflection point in their life don't find it easy to move either because their children are school or whatever. But there seems to be this unconscious or non-conscious bias that says women are less likely to do that than men. That's a good example, Sally, of something that you said. Companies put in structural uh, barriers yes. for women to get ahead. And say a little bit more about that, would you? There's so many structural barriers. One can be you have to have had an overseas assignment. And often... You know, think through the job you're asking a person to do. Is it really necessary? I used to get lots of calls from people who were looking for women uh, to go on boards and thought, you know, in my network I would know people. I'd suggest some terrific people, and they'd say, oh, we need someone who's uh, managed a $50 million line, and she's only, she only had a $35 million uh, line. And you think about why. You know, what is the, the crucial difference between a $35 million 
line and a $50 million line that you keep hiring these same people um, on your board. Uh, so a lot of times there'll be things like that. Uh, a lot of countries have very, very early retirement uh, ages uh, in their corporations. I work with a law firm in Finland that at 54 year old, 54 was mandatory retirement. This penalizes women often enormously because they tend to come into partnership later on their career track. So these are the kinds of unconscious barriers. Law firms tend to re, uh, reward uh, way out of proportion often the so-called rainmakers uh, rather than the people who actually do the work or the people who keep the clients happy. Maybe that made sense uh, 15, 20 years ago when uh, customers stayed for 40 or 50 years, uh, but law firms' clients change constantly now. So to over-reward the rainmakers and under-reward often people who keep the, keep the client engaged makes no sense. So these are some of the, the kinds of structural things that I think organizations are going to be revisiting in the years ahead. Yeah, and have to revisit, frankly. And I think to your earlier point, you know, things are changing for men, too. Yes. And so they're going to have to revisit the whole policy to create an inclusive environment for, for everyone. Right. So are there any s- sort of trends that you see that are sticking out as kind of a unique that we need to be paying attention to relative to women in the workplace that you're think- seeing now emerge? Yeah, you know, Linda, I think that women tend to lead trends. One of the big trends I see emerging is organizations uh, who are at the forefront of talent practice are hiring, uh, looking to hire more on quality, I mean, uh, on qualities and characteristics of the person rather than uh, uh, certain experiential uh, bars that they meet. Google did a very influential study where it found that what was characteristic of the people who did best at Google was not even how much education they had or where they went to school or what, um, what they brought with them in terms of qualifications. The people who did best were the people who were the best team members, who worked the best in teams and who were able to lead teams when that was important and able to step back and let others team, lead teams. That was the, that was the most important um, quality that united people who did well in that culture. So I think that, that we're going to see more and more organizations looking at what are the qualities, and that's great for women because many of the leadership characteristics that women bring to organizations, building great teams, motivating people, inspiring people, coaching people, are the very ones that organizations are going to be looking for in the years ahead. So I think women will do well by really emphasizing what those characteristics are themselves and being aware of them and being able to articulate them and being able to sell them. Yeah, that's, that, that is so important, and especially in, in conjunction with all the global nature of work that's going on where you're going to have to have those characteristics in order to be successful. Tell me, Sally, what are some things that women can do uh, and that organizations can do? Let's start first with organizations. What are some things that organizations can do that are really best practices to help move women forward? Well, first of all, I think it's really important to give uh, women 
adequate support. Um, I think there's been a pulling back from some of the, the women's leadership development uh, in recent years. There's been, you know, the perennial question of why do women need their own women's leadership development initiative? Shouldn't it just be leadership development initiatives? Uh, we need both. We really need both. I think that, that women particularly benefit by hearing and seeing examples of other women in the organization who have done especially well and by hearing what they did to develop their careers. I think that, that there's also um, a, a ability for women, that it really helps women to, to understand where they can focus their effort on their own career and personal development and that sometimes that's different than men. Many men don't need a lot of help in negotiating for salary, uh, for example, or you know, in, in defending or getting known for what their achievements are. Women often need some support in that. Um, I'm finding that, that working with women to be more visible, more intentional, more connected in the organization and also outside in their, sec- in their industry, and more present is having a great impact upon women in terms of their their personal development. So I think that's important. And I think the whole move that we're making now toward mentors and sponsors is helpful, but I do think we've gotten over-focused on the sponsorship effect because I know executives and organizations are being overwhelmed by people asking them to sponsor them. Uh, so I think that, you know, we probably need to cool our jets a little on that and recognize that that really what we need to do is to create allies, and we need allies at every level in our organizations, and that's going to be very effective in moving us forward. That is such a great point, and, you know, it it made me think of every time I interviewed men for senior positions, men always asked, what's going to be my next opportunity? They always put the question forward about how much is this going to be? Uh, you know, what, what am I going to make on this? Right. And every time I interviewed a woman for a similar position, never asked those questions. Right. And so it goes back to sort of Sheryl Sandberg kind of, you got to lean in. Yep, exactly. You know, you got to ask. You've got to lean so in. You've thoughts got to on ask. that. You've got to find out. You know, I mean, it's interesting. The Cherise Theron is just such a, a vibrant example of this. Um, you know, why didn't she know her male co-star was making $10 million more? I bet he knew she was making $10 million less. Um, less you know, yeah. we, wanna, we need to ask more of those questions, and I've, I, I experience the same reluctance. I'm eager to show my clients that I want to work with them above all, and I'll often draw back with those kinds of things. So I have to work with it, too, and I think it's, it's one of the reasons I've been able to, to help women throughout these years. Well, Sally, we're we're coming up on on break again. I mean, this was really great. One parting thought that you'd like like to leave with folks? Uh, yes, I think the work needs to be done both by women in terms of their own development, but organizations as well. We can't just continue to focus on women fixing themselves. Organizations need to look inward, um, and we need to really identify what are the barriers to inclusion in this organization. And often they lie with particular, not all, but particular individuals at the top. And you really need to look at 
You know, what is the value of an individual that's casting a negative shadow, and how can we work with him um, to be able to 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 change that situation? I think that there's there's been a reluctance there. Wow, Sally, that that's a great point. I'd love to explore that more with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show, Sally Helgeson, expert in women's uh, leadership and and development, coach, author. Thank you, Sally, for being with us today. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. We're going to be talking about this issue further. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Do you know your personal brand? You may have the idea, but do you really know how to execute it and perfect it? Join Kathy Bass, the branding lady, for an inside look at the world of branding on her show, Power Up Branding. Kathy and her guests will discuss the many facets of branding, including tips to help you rebrand or bring your brand to the next level. Power Up Branding can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get a plan. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, Back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey, uh, host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection, and thanks for being with me. And our topic today has been uh, women, have we actually shattered the glass ceiling? And the answer to that question is we've cracked it, but we have a ways to go. And uh, I was thinking, I'm talking to Sally Helgeson, who has a lot of experience in this area, and then I was thinking about my own career and my own experience. And uh, there are a couple of exemplar companies out there. I think PricewaterhouseCoopers does a wonderful job in really uh, building into their talent management practices 
the ability to identify diverse and uh, global women and do a lot to ensure that these women have the support to move up and move forward in the company. And they've done an excellent job of getting more and more women at the partner level and uh, the managing director level. And it's exciting to see. They put a lot of time and energy into it. And you can see it in 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 the the way they work with their customers. They have that that wonderful sort of collaborative approach of working hand in hand with with the customers. So I've been totally impressed with the coaching and the the mentoring and what PricewaterhouseCoopers does to really be in the cutting edge of of this. In fact, I've I've uh, coached a number of women as they've been moving up the ranks uh, into partner, and it's exciting to see. So I, I also see that the GE, a company where I used to work, did a lot around the women's network and became very aware of this issue quite a while ago, actually under Jack uh, Welsh's leadership, and has continued to do this. They provide tremendous amount of support. To women, they have an annual women's network. They have local women's networks. Uh, they have opportunities that are special opportunities for women in terms of education and um, learning together. And they do a lot again in the talent management area. They specifically look at pipelines for successors and jobs, and they put women in those roles and rotate women around. And I think that they've made tremendous strides again. And then I look at HP, a place where I had also worked. And we did a lot of work there. And HP was and is still well known for uh, women in great jobs. And we did a very interesting study there a number of years ago where we looked at who was really our best talent. And it, it plays back to what Sally Helgesey uh, said before. Um, that it's looking at um, what are really the differences. And it turned out that the women and the men were just about the same who were top talent, except the women were better at developing others. So with that said, I'd like you to uh, think about our show next week and join us next week because we'll be continuing this topic with Becky Blaylock, who's the author of Dare and a CIO in a major company and has experienced the glass ceiling firsthand and she'll be able to give us even more insight and tips. So thank you very much. And I look forward to you being with us. If you have any questions or there's anything you'd like to talk about offline, um, please do give us a call or tweet us uh, on the show. And uh, also send us an email because we... Um, would love to hear from you on this issue. I'm sure there's many women out there who have great stories of glass ceiling stories where they really experienced the situations that we were talking about. So here are a couple of things that you can think about as you're moving forward in your own careers. And if you're a woman one of the things that you can do is speak up. Be sure to speak up. But do it in a way like Sally talked about. Do it in a way that says, notice this. Take a look. You know, our, when women speak what goes on in the room, 
Or ask a question. Do you have any women on your leadership team? And how can, what, what, what are your thoughts about having someone on your leadership team? And if you're a man, here's an interesting thing. Get a reverse mentor. Have a woman mentor you and point out some things for you that can help open your eyes. You know, we're all going to be competing for talent. And half the workforce is women around the world. And by the way, a good substantial number of the educated workforce is women around the world. And I often think of the story of um, Susan Boyle. And we talked about executive presence. And maybe when Susan Boyle came on the stage, you know, she didn't have the presence of a what you would consider to be a singer. And when she walked on that stage, everybody rolled their eyes and Simon Cowell thought, oh, she's not going to be any good. And, you know, what kind of ridiculous thing is this? And then she opened her mouth and sang. And she was fabulous. And, you know, if we don't open our eyes to the kinds of things that we do and the kind of sort of unconscious bias that we have, and everybody has it, Nobody is unique in that regard. Everybody has certain biases that come from certain ways that they've experienced things and they've thought of things in in culture. And you're going to miss out on some great talent that can really help you drive your business forward. So here are some other things to think about. Look at your policies. Do they exclude or do they include Are the criteria you're using to make decisions about who gets promoted, is it limiting or is it inclusive? And I'll tell you a story about a male. In one company that I was working with, we had a male individual we wanted to bring to the U.S. and he was in Germany. And he ran a global company. And there was no reason why he had to move from Germany to the U.S. But we had a policy. You know, you had to move to where the job was. The job required something like 60 to 70% travel. And guess what happened? And you won't be surprised. He turned around and said, "Mm, sorry, I'm not moving my family to Germany. I'm going to stay. And he's now CEO of a very big competitive company. So that's important to think about. Take a look at your policies and procedures. And are they getting in the way of you really having an inclusive culture that embraces everyone and brings and pulls women up. And then I loved the comment that Sally made about attributes versus experience. Are you interviewing based on experience? And is some of that experience really necessary for the job or is it limiting? And I'll tell you, as somebody who's done a lot of diverse hiring and led diversity for a number of companies, that it's the attributes that certain people have that really makes them high potential employees. And those attributes that have been researched, in fact, in my recent book, Winning with Transglobal Leaders, is that they are able to develop talent and that they create collaborative networks of people around the world. And women tend to do that much more than men. Doesn't mean that men can't do it, but women do it much more than men. So stay with me. Next week, we're going to continue to explore this subject. It's an important subject, 
And we've gone at snail's pace. Though we have made inroads, we mean to make more. And this is the century to do it. So join me for Becky Blaylock, author of D.A.R.E., and we're going to be talking more from a firsthand experience of a woman who got to the top. Thank you very much, and I look forward to hearing from you. Email me at radio at lindasharkey.com should you want to continue this conversation. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you.